people pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Everyone pretend podcasting isn't boring. Turn it off. Wherever. Just enjoy every second of getting the heck out of Ludlow! What the hell is that? First place I learned about death was the pet cemetery. The secret place. Generation to generation, dead things buried in that land would come back for something else. Can you hear them? Voices. I think something's wrong with Timmy. He needs time to adjust. The people built the pet cemetery to protect them from evil. It's not Timmy. Something's talking through him. Hell, what have you done? We have to find Timmy. Now stop this. I held him the day he came into this world. And I'm gonna hold him the day he goes out. folks welcome to a special episode of the projection booth i'm your host mike white on this episode i am talking with director lindsay anderson beer she is she is the director of the pet cemetery prequel pet cemetery bloodlines which is premiering on paramount plus october 6 2023 had a great time talking with her and i hope you have a great time listening to the interview now is this your directing debut yes yeah Wow. How did you make that transition? I mean, because you're also credited as a writer, and I know you've done a ton of writing already. I had always wanted to direct. I came to LA to write direct and found that it was very difficult for people to trust me to direct. So I needed to earn some credibility and uh, some good relationships. And so I started, I did a lot of writing. And then um, during that had helped the producers, Mark and Lorenzo, out a bunch on Transformers. And we had developed a really good working relationship through that. And so when they were making this prequel, they knew that I was looking to direct stuff and looking at material at the time. And Mark Baradian called me and said, would you ever be interested in directing a Pet Cemetery prequel? And I said, that was my favorite King book growing up. So fuck yeah. Were you more of a fan of the book that, or the movie? 
the book and I did really like the 89 movie too, but I read the book first and I feel like whatever order you see or watch something in, it becomes your first love. Right. So yeah, I loved the book. So how did you approach the movie? Because this is a prequel and I, I wasn't aware that we needed a prequel until I saw it. That's my hope is that it is the prequel that people didn't know that they needed. I approached it as I feel like the the films are all great. They stand alone. They stand on their own. I was not looking to make a prequel to any one movie. I just wanted to make a prequel to the book. So my approach was to reread and reread the book and pull out any interesting detail or mythology or anything that I felt like went unanswered and kind of try to tie it into a bow to give us more of a history, both of Judd, but more importantly, almost of Ludlow and and the origins of Ludlow and, and where this evil comes from and how it is that we get to, you know, mysterious Judd smoking on a porch and keeping watch. How was it working with actors? Because you've got a great cast in here. Oh, they were phenomenal. Each and every one of them brought something so special to the screen and the the cast of, of the older actors were, you know, just dream casting that I went to as my first choices and was fortunate enough that they all said yes and went on this crazy journey with me. And the younger actors was a, a very extensive process of watching tapes. So many really talented young actors raised their hands for these roles and, but that, and, and they were all impressive in their own right. But the ones that I ended up with, just um, they were just right for me. Can you tell me a little bit about your crew? Because uh, you've got a great look to this film as well. The look is something that I talked about in my very first meeting with Paramount. And I said, you know, I don't, I don't want this to be like a washed out blue kind of horror film that we've seen before. And I talked about how in the book, Stephen King talks a lot about the evil with yellow eyes and and yellow mist and how this color of yellow really, really permeates the book and how to me, like yellow is so highly associated with the late sixties and the early seventies and hippie culture and sunflowers. And it just got me thinking about like bright sunny days in Maine and this kind of pastoral innocence and beauty and contrasting that with the darkness of what's actually happening and happened in this town to me was really visually interesting as a filmmaker, but also to me lined up with the themes of Pet Cemetery and kind of the darkness and light of life and those two things and the, the, the beauty and the torture and the tragedy that makes Pet Cemetery such an interesting and unique property. When did you actually shoot this? Two years ago in Montreal, very much in the middle of the Delta wave. <laughs> oh boy. And uh, I won't say who, because I won't talk about people's health, but one of our actors got COVID 10 days before shooting. And uh, so we weren't sure if we were going to get them in the film. And then just like literally the day uh, they were supposed to fly in, they started testing negative. So, oh boy, that was a lot of stress. The main challenge was really the schedule. We had the same schedule as the 2019 film, which if you've seen that, you know, it's like only a couple locations, a couple actors our film has so many locations and actors and big set pieces. And so every day was just really a crazy logistical challenge for everybody. I have to give so much credit to everybody involved. We were just really excited by what we were making and everybody came to work every day, just excited to meet the challenge and to do the impossible. And every day it really did feel like we were pulling off the impossible. We're kind of high-fiving ourselves at the end. Like how the fuck did we just film all that today? It was pretty incredible. 
Can you tell me about the post-production process? How was that for you? And did you get a long time to work on it? Yeah, the post process was awesome. I I love post. Um, I love editing. You know, you find your story within the story. And then I also, as, as I'm sure you could tell watching the film, so much of the film sound design is, is very, very important to the movie. And it's something I talked about from the very beginning. And I got my composer and my sound editor in the same meeting. And I said, you guys are going to have to get to know each other really well because I don't really see a lot of traditional score in this movie. I kind of even want the score to sound like sound design. The the post-process is where a lot of that came to life and where I got to really play with the stuff that I had been talking about since it felt like forever. And so that was really fun. And then I think the most unexpected thing to me was how much I loved the DI. You know, that you kind of it's almost like its own separate art from the rest of the movie. Like you get to paint over your own movie and there's so much you can add in the shadows and the highlights. And I've never felt like a bigger nerd than loving every second of the DI. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at your IMDb profile, you have so many things in the hopper right now. Yeah. What's true. What, what are you actually working on next? So my biggest priority right now is Sleepy Hollow for Paramount, which I'm writing and directing. And I, I, I turned in the first draft right before the writer's strike. So now that hallelujah, the strike is over and um, I'm going to be able to return to, to Sleepy Hollow. So that's exciting for me. Lindsay, thank you so much for your time. This was great talking with you. So great to talk to you. Thank you for taking the time. Listen to 